Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Craig Earlham joins us, uh, uh, market analyst at Oanda, our regular. Um, okay, a long road back to work then, as expected, and a lot of detail to come. And of course, a lot of opposition. You were right, weren't you, that uh, it's not necessarily the, the fact that the nation is dying to get back to work. They're a bit fearful, some of them, and obviously stoked up by the unions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we have to remember that we want to return to work safely. I think there's uh, both of those things can be true at the same time. And uh, while many employers, I think, are going to be very responsible about this, I think there is going to generally be an approach whereby if you can work at work at home and want to remain working at home for now, then you are fully entitled to. And those that want to return to the office, then companies will try and make arrangements to enable that to be done in a safe manner, which will enable people again to uh, not use public transport, etc. But I think one of the things that uh, the unions uh, and the, the Labour Party seem to be concerned with is the fact that not every employer is going to uh, be necessarily putting the best, um, the, the what's best for their staff uh, at the forefront of their decision-making. We all hope that that will be the case, but it, the, like, the likelihood is that there's going to be a number that are going to be effectively pressuring now staff to go back to work uh, immediately because it's in the business's best interest. And that's where we have to balance these two things, because even though that may be a small number, that still affects a large number of people. Uh, but I think there is also, as you say, going to be an, an, uh, the side which is going to be people who are going to be fearful, people who live with vulnerable people, people who have elderly relatives that they mm. still see on a regular basis. All of these things have to be factored in. This is never going to be easy. Uh, and I think this kind of, this idea that we this kind of needs to be micromanaged isn't going to make that any easier there is going to be a lot of uh, people interpreting the rules uh, there is going to be a lot of people having to take responsibility uh, for their own decision making and and try and make the best decision that they possibly can because this is an extremely unprecedented and complex uh, scenario to to manage uh, and therefore people need to use their best, own best judgment not helped by um, the global news about second spikes arrive um, uh, occurring particularly for example in Germany and South Korea no, not at all. And obviously, um, we've seen it in Wuhan in China as well. Now, thankfully, those spikes aren't too dramatic at this moment in time. I think we have to acknowledge that the decision to return back to work, the decision to slightly reopen the economy again is going to lead to a rise in cases. It's absolutely inevitable. People who are uh, infected with the virus who may not know or people who have been infected with the virus who are still contagious uh, and do not realize are going to come in contact with people who are not. Uh, so we are going to see a rise in the number of cases again. That was That is not something that anyone believes is not going to happen. But unfortunately, we don't have a vaccine, we don't have a cure, uh, and we don't have uh, adequate testing at this point in time. So uh, the, the, you, the question is, do you, do you acknowledge that there's going to be a rise, that, but it's going to be a manageable rise this time rather than what was becoming an unmanageable rise last time uh, and, uh, and therefore make arrangements for that? Or do you keep the economy closed and risk more businesses going under, risk more people going from furlough to uh, to unemployment and risk a situation where you've got fewer people with, uh, with that have come into contact with it, fewer fewer deaths, which is obviously what we would all prefer, but then also mass unemployment and a, and a depression. It's it's a very difficult thing to uh, to manage and to make those decisions is unenviable. And I'm glad I'm not the one having uh, being forced to do so. But unfortunately, this is the situation which we have and this is the situation we have to deal with. And uh, we can only hope that everyone is going to uh, treat these new rules with the, the respect they need, which means social distancing, which means 
being careful and which means not uh, taking advantage of the new situation to do effectively just what you wish because uh, because you feel like nothing's going to happen to you as a result. These are the type of things that we need to happen along with the, the, the changing rules which are now in place. Quite a major story on the front page of the FT, the chief of BP, is saying that uh, the virus may well usher in the era of peak oil slightly more quickly than the oil majors had either thought or would actually like. Um, And this is because of lack of demand. And it's not necessarily good news for the green industry and green power production and the rest of it, because it's about demand. That that's the thing. Now, that's quite a quite a big step to take, isn't it, To, to be voicing those sort of concerns right now particularly if you're the boss of an oil major hugely and we have to remember again that uh the uh, the, the, the anything that had been calculated into peak oil demand to, to driving demand over the coming years the, the the conversion from oil to hybrid to electric vehicles all of this had been driven on the assumption that demand is going in this way and has always been uh, predicated on the assumption that demand is going this way and it's only going to be about consumer choice uh, and the availability uh, of of uh, electric vehicles and more affordable prices, the availability of charging points, which enables people to have electric vehicles and not have it be a detriment on their everyday life. We never really factored in, or these companies had never really factored in such a dramatic shift in working lifestyle. We've seen that people like to work from home already, but people weren't really adopting it uh, on a large-scale basis, uh, and for as often as they are now anticipated to do so, people maybe work from home one day a month. Now people may choose to work from home one or two days a week. That has a massive impact on people's uh, oil consumption for those who drove to work or drove to the train station. So this is now something that many of these companies are going to have to factor in at least for the next 12 to 18 months uh, and, and, and potentially even longer, probably even longer to to some extent. Uh, and therefore, it has to factor into this equation. So this does mean less demand. This does mean less money potentially to invest in the in in, in electric vehicles and hybrid uh, vehicles. Uh, but it uh, but this is now the new normal for many of these companies because I do think we will start to see confidence gradually improve. And as we do see this herd immunity, as we do see a vaccine appear, people will gradually start to move back, gravitate back towards the office. But I don't think we'll see them gravitate towards the office to the extent that they were before. I do feel like there is some some small permanent shift uh, at the very least uh, now that people realise that what the flexibility of working from home does and now that people have the infrastructure to do so, of course, I'm referring to those that can rather than to, than to everyone. The background also um, revolves around trade. We've got uh, US-UK talks, we've got UK-EU talks, and of course there's the US-China talks as well. Um, in, in in the midst of all this, there's a feeling now that, um, well, not now, but that it's, it's rising, that uh, the UK-EU trade really is a, is a priority rather than UK-US trade at the same time. And here the, here's the horns of the dilemma. Um, the United States, may be less uh, likely to want to take advantage of Britain's trading position if it is bound up in UK, sorry, in, in European Union regulations uh, and, and so on. There's nothing in it for the United States. I, again, this is, I mean, never mind all the complications we're seeing now. These would have been tough in any case, wouldn't they? Yeah, they, of course they would have. And obviously this this, this situation makes it all the more difficult. Um, it, it's it's really difficult to see how these where these negotiations are going to go at this point because of this moment in time the government's position remains that we are leaving the eu at the end of this year uh, uh, in order to try and con- maintain the pressure on the negotiations 
And uh, while I'm not necessarily convinced that they, that they will continue along that road um, if we are heading for a no-deal scenario, um, or the, I do still think that there's there's huge negotiations still to be had, and there's still huge uh, huge issues that will arise if they want to get a trade deal with both the US and the EU. I think it inevitably does mean looser ties with the EU, even if they are our largest trading partner at this moment in time. If you are going to prioritise uh, the EU to too great an extent, then you, it brings into question what the point of Brexit actually is. And I think for many people who backed it, the, the point was to strike deals, not just with the US and have the US offset any loss of the EU, but to strike deals with other countries around the world as well. The US is just step one uh, uh, of hopefully many, uh, you would have thought. So, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be difficult. But my inkling is that the, the government will prioritise the US in many aspects and accept that that means looser terms uh, with the EU, unfortunately. Take us through the markets just before you go. Um, we're seeing this sort of lack of correlation between what everybody knows is actually going on and what the markets think may well happen. Um, that's still the case, isn't it, presumably? It is. I mean, it, it, we have to remember in the markets that what we have that we didn't have three months ago is unprecedented amounts of stimulus, both central banks uh, creating money for quantitative easing. Two central banks now have QE infinity, which means they've committed to unlimited, potentially unlimited bond buying. The Bank of England's uh, doing 50% more bond buying and that could increase again. Uh, the ECB is doing far more bond buying than they've ever done before as well. So all of this money has to go somewhere. And when this is all floating around the financial system, the last 10 to 15 years has taught us that that does tend to uh, prop up equity markets in particular, but also inflate other markets as well. And I do think we are seeing that to an extent as well as the fact that investors do tend to invest based on where they see the economy moving rather than where it is necessarily now. You look at the oil prices, they tend to reflect now um, uh, more so than anything, especially at this moment in time. Where equity markets seem to be pricing in something entirely different. And a lot of that is optimism. A lot of that is economies reopening. While we do have an unprecedented amount of monetary stimulus, if these spikes that we're seeing in South Korea, China, uh, Germany do become greater spikes and we see reversal of the restrictions that have been lifted uh, over the course of the last few months, then I would imagine that you could potentially see the, the brakes being, ground, uh, being, um, being used uh, in the equity markets and you could see a reversal of a lot of this, um, of at least some of the, the moves that we've seen over the course of the last couple of months because economy is closing up again and creates that additional uncertainty um, at this moment in time, I think would take a huge amount of the sentiment, the positive sentiment that has been uh, that has been growing uh, out of the markets uh, in the short term. Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Mm-hmm.